Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today's message comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, as you heard a few moments ago. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. Jesus loves me, he who died, heaven's gates to open wide. He will wash away my sin, let his little child come in. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. From a very early age, we learn about Jesus' love for us. We learn about how much Jesus cares for us. We learn about his death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead. And even if we don't fully understand all that, we can at least know that Jesus did it because he loves us. These words are easy enough to memorize, even at a young age. Before Micah goes to bed, Andrew and I will sing to him, but we take turns doing it because the other goes off with Ivy. It's one of the last things that we do. My song of choice in the past has been a variety of worship songs, but for a while it's just been Jesus Loves Me. Micah knows this because when I ask him what I should sing, that's his response. And he'll even sing the chorus with me occasionally. Also, as part of bedtime routine, we give hugs and kisses before we leave the room. Sometimes I'll tell Micah about everyone who loves him. I love him. Mommy loves him. Ivy loves him. And then I'll tell him, you know who loves you the most? Jesus. Because he died for you and he rose for you to take you to heaven. Jesus has done something for each and every one of you that I cannot do. He died for every single one of us in this room. He died for every single person not in this room. He died for the whole world. Those who were alive to see it then, and all those who have come after and are yet to come. And he did it because he loves us. And he did it because of our sin. The gospel reading for today begins by talking about divorce. Divorce is a result of sin. Jesus, in response to the Pharisees asking him about divorce, reminded them of creation, how God established marriage between man and woman, and how it is two people becoming one flesh. And he ends with, What therefore God has joined together, let man not separate. Marriage was intended to be a blessing from God that lasted forever. Marriage was intended to be a beautiful relationship where a man and a woman would be fruitful and increase in number. But sin has ruined all of that. And so the picture of marriage today is one where many people do not remain faithful to their spouse all of their days. The picture of marriage is one that sometimes sees couples don't, that don't want children. The picture of marriage is one today where those who want children are not able to conceive. 
The picture of marriage is one where you have, at best, a 50% chance of staying married. And it doesn't matter whether you're in the church or not. The picture of marriage today is not how God intended it. And that's because of the effects of sin. Now, I'm not here to talk about divorce today. I want to talk about children. But I do find it quite interesting that the conversation of divorce is immediately followed by this scene with the children. After the Pharisees asked Jesus about divorce, Jesus is in a house and the disciples bring it up again. The text would have us believe that this scene played out in order because Mark transition, transitions from the conversation about divorce to, and they were bringing children to him. When we look at Mark's writings, we find that he is pretty good about telling us how and when these scenes play out. Just take a look at some verses from chapter 9. And as they were coming down from the mountain, later, they went on from there and passed through Galilee, and later, and they came to Capernaum. If Mark doesn't give us a transition about where things happen, we can reason it happens right after in the same place. I wanted to mention that because when talking about divorce and children, the reality is no one wins in a divorce. Not the spouses and certainly not the children. I speak from experience in my own life being a child of divorce and seeing it in the lives of friends, family members, and members of the churches I have served throughout my 10 years in ministry. That's because sin ruins everything. Because divorce was never how marriages were supposed to end. And not only does sin ruin marriages and lives, but people ruin lives as well. Because people sin and the sins of others have ruined many lives. And people also get in the way of the lives of other people. That's what we see happen with the children and Jesus. It's actually the disciples who get in the way, because they rebuke those who were trying to bring their children to Jesus to have him touch them. They prevent them from getting to Jesus almost like bodyguards protecting a celebrity from hundreds of adoring fans. But Jesus is not a celebrity trying to get to his vehicle. Jesus is in a house. He's not rushing off anywhere. And he becomes indignant with the disciples. He's not happy with them, maybe even annoyed by them. And he says, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. He then goes on to say, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. The point behind this statement is that children are usually open and receptive to anything you tell them or give them. They might easily take a gift from you. And that's what the kingdom of God is, a gift. Heaven is a gift given to us by God through faith in him, which he has also given to us as a gift. There is nothing that we can do to earn it or to deserve it. The kingdom of God is for those who understand they are helpless to save themselves, much like how we view children 
as helpless, fully dependent upon others, in need of care by us, especially as infants. The kingdom of God belongs to children, big and small, who are fully dependent upon God. Therefore, we do not hinder them. As I mentioned, people can often get in the way of other people, like the disciples did with Jesus here. As I was reading through this, the one thing that stood out to me as a pastor was Jesus saying, let the little children come to me. Jesus doesn't tell his disciples to let the little children come to them. He invites them to come to him. If little children relied solely on me, getting them to heaven, well, they'd be in trouble. Because I fail. I get in the way of people getting to Jesus, since I'm a sinner. Last week we heard about what the consequences should be if you cause a little child to sin. You should get a millstone tied around your neck and be thrown into the sea. That's an extreme. But the reality is when we're dealing with faith, with eternal life, with heaven, we don't want to get in the way of someone believing. This is huge for those who teach little children the faith, whether it's me, Pastor Brad, our Christian education teachers, Bible study leaders, whoever. So our goal must be to let the little children come to Jesus. That means we direct children of all ages to Christ. We point them to the one who loves all little children. He loves them so much that he died for them. He died for their sins. And he died for those who get in the way of letting little children come to Jesus. It is not about me. It is about Christ. Or as John the Baptist would say, he must increase, but I must decrease. We need to get out of the way. Stop being a stumbling block of preventing people getting to Jesus. We preach Christ and him crucified and risen from the dead for the sins of the whole world in order to bring you to heaven. Christ saves you by grace through faith and it is a gift. That's the gospel message. And if that message is missing, it's better for us to tie a millstone around our neck and be thrown into the sea. We all have opportunities to share our faith with others. And when we do that, the only thing worth sharing with them is Jesus. Yes, we all have personal testimonies of how Jesus has welcomed us and changed us, and there's a time and place for that. But if we spend more time talking about ourselves than we do Christ, we've missed the point. So we give the gospel of Christ because he is the one who takes children in his arms, lays his hands on them, and blesses them. When I think back to that scene with Jesus, I can't say I have ever really thought about it until now, but the reality is, is that there were probably children of divorce there with Jesus that day. He took them in his arms, along with every other child there, and he blessed them. God is all about blessing you. And the blessings you receive in worship 
are not from the pastors. They are from God, working through us as his humble, sinful servants. As we celebrate Thanksgiving, we remember all the blessings that God has given to us. We thank him for welcoming us into his arms to bless us. We thank him for welcoming us through baptism and giving us the gift of faith. We thank him for welcoming us to the Lord's Supper to receive his body and blood for our forgiveness. We thank him for stretching out his arms on the cross and dying for us. We thank him for promising to always be with us. And so whether you are a little kid or a big kid, whether you're a child of divorce or not, or even an adult of divorce or not, you are not alone. No matter what you go through in life, Jesus has welcomed you to be his own. He has called you to be his own through his innocent suffering and death. And because he rose from the dead, he has promised to welcome you to himself again in heaven with his open and loving arms. Arms to bless you and keep you always. Arms that bear the nail marks to always remind you of his great love for you. Because yes, Jesus loves you. Amen. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.